On today's episode of Delve Into Money, we're going to have a fun little return to our Money and Marriage series because today we are launching the Money in Marriage Guide five-part framework that's going to help you have better conversations in your marriage. So excited. Join me after the intro and we will discuss this in depth. Welcome to the Delve Into Money podcast. I am your host, Curtis Haney. This is the personal finance podcast where we attempt to demystify money by reviewing books and applying what we learn to our own financial journeys. Thank you so much for listening to the episode today. Today is actually the launch day. So if you're listening to this at the sound of my voice, you can go on to delveintomoney.com and you'll see a link for the money and marriage guide that you can purchase right now. So excited to have you here listening. And with me, I have my wonderful wife, Samantha. Hey, everyone. So today we are going to do a little bit of a deep dive into money and marriage and what that's going to mean. And then as a follow-up to this, we're going to have uh, each part of the five-part Uh, framework. We're going to have an episode on each one of those parts that we're going to spread out kind of in November, December, January, and will help you uh, as you go along and use the guide. Even if you don't purchase the guide, this is going to be a great discussion that will help you get an intro into what it's going to look like. And that guide is there to help you dive a little deeper it's going to be a lot of templates and a lot of things that are really useful. So if you're listening, I want to thank you so much for listening today. Um, please go onto Apple podcast and rate and review the podcast if you have not done that. So we're going to start out talking about the story of how this guide came to be. And then we're going to do a real brief overview after that of what is in the guide and what's being released. So I'm going to start out and and we're going to kind of go back and forth here, but I want to talk about how the guide came to be. And it goes all the way back to the beginning of our marriage. We got married and have been married for nine years, almost nine years, years, not quite nine years. Okay. So it all started when I was a single guy, I was living on my own. I had my own house. I was not concerned about money because I didn't need to be, uh, but I also just knew what I was doing, and I just had a system. I worked that system. I kept track of what I was spending, but I didn't really get super into it. You know, I was saving money. I was putting money away uh, into investments. I was doing all the right things, but I was just kind of going along and not really uh, thinking a whole lot about it. And then we got married and it and it kind of changed things. But in this way, I thought, you know what? I know it all. I don't need help. I don't need assistance. I have it all under control. And so I just kept doing my thing. And it just so happened that Samantha's background was that she had not really cared or had to deal with money before. And so she was 
happy to just let me do that. And we kind of talk about that in our last episode. So I'm not going to dive into that whole a whole lot. But I just did not want the help. And so I just, you know, kept chugging away and kept doing the same things. And so I thought things were going great. I saw that now that we had two incomes, we were getting to save a lot of money. And I was super excited about that. But then out of the blue, at least to me, now I know it wasn't completely out of the blue, but it feels like it sometimes. Samantha was frustrated with her job. So can you talk to me about that, those conversations that we had and what transpired after that? Yes. So uh, right after we got married, we were actually able to work together. And uh, it was a job, though, that I had not gone to school for. My background is in journalism and in writing. And this job had to do with numbers. And so uh, not my wheelhouse, uh, but still really good experience. Good experience to uh, not only be newly married, but also co-workers. So that was good experience. But, um, you know, it was not what I was going to do long term. And so after a couple of years, I just knew that I was ready for a change. I was ready to go back to what I had actually gone to school for. And I had um, some ideas of projects that I wanted to pursue. And, you know, once you start down that road in your mind, it's very hard to um, stay content where you are. And, uh, so I, I wanted to step back from this office job and pursue, pursue writing, pursue some, some freelance opportunities. Um, but I didn't have a very fleshed out plan for what that would look like. I just wanted you to kind of put your blessing on, yep, that's fine. Just quit whenever and do whatever. Um, but that is not how Curtis rolls, as you all know. And I should have been a little bit more prepared, um, which I did get more prepared as we moved closer to that decision. And so, yeah, after a couple of years, I stepped back from that office job and started pursuing um, pursuing writing. I started writing my first devotional book. So while I was excited to make this transition, what I really wasn't aware of because we hadn't been having these conversations was really how my income was being used. And so uh, we didn't really have a structured budget at the time. Um, I loosely knew what I could spend on, you know, on groceries and my own personal spending each month, but I had no concept of other categories. So I didn't really understand how my um, income was being used and um, didn't really know how the change in my, or just didn't really grasp how my change in jobs was going to impact those goals. Yeah. And so like when she, when she says that, you know, we didn't have a structured budget, well, as a single guy, I knew in a general sense where my money was going and I knew that I was spending less than I was bringing in and I knew how much I was saving. And then kind of within that, I didn't need as tight of a framework, but that was frustrating and difficult for Samantha. And it felt fine to me because that's what I was used to. And I would go look through the transactions and make sure I was staying on track. But for her, it left this sense of unknown and not really feeling comfortable with what her boundaries were. And then when she approached me with this job opportunity or, or this change in jobs, 
it felt to me like we were stepping back and like we were in reach of what I wanted to do as far as savings and how we wanted to live. And here we were, and she was asking to completely alter that. But because we not had those conversations, I didn't realize or couldn't even have put in words that that was what she was doing. She didn't realize that that was the question that she was asking. And in this situation, it's both it's both of our faults, right? Because she didn't ask the right questions, but I also should have been sharing and we should have been having deeper conversations about that. And so we had just that tension that was kind of underneath the surface that was not really talked about a whole lot, but that we knew was there. And so then it was another year plus down the road, we came to our next little roadblock, you might call them, in a number of ways. I I mean, I would probably use a different word other than <laughs> roadblock. Um, but yes, by this point, I had been working from home for about a year and a half. And uh, as we've mentioned before, and if you guys um, know us in real life, um, you know that infertility has been a part of our um, been a part of our story. And, um, at this point, um, we had just found out that one of our, um, one of the rounds of treatments, it was the final round that we were doing. We found that out that it had failed. And so it had been a really long summer of pursuing this, um, round of treatments and just emotionally and mentally done. <laughs> And uh, up to this point, we had made the conscious choice to not have any pets. We both grew up with dogs, actually. Um, but when we got married, just with working, we were also traveling a lot. Um, and remember before, I was, um, I was not at home a whole lot of the time um, between working with Curtis and then I was also teaching dance. And so it just didn't make sense to bring a pet into the picture. Um, but at this point I, I was working from home with pursuing writing and, uh, I just kind of reached a breaking point <laughs> of, I wanted a little fur baby to love. And I sent Curtis some links to some dogs from some local shelters. And I was like, pick one. We're getting a dog this week. And I'm sure that's not an uncommon story from what I've gathered. There's a lot of people that that's the way it goes, that you just kind of get to a point where this companion is that comfort that you need. So there's no judgment in that. But again, that was not following my plan. This is not what I had expected. And so all I could think about is the cost that was associated with the dog. And I already felt like we were off track. And so I was struggling mentally with that. And then here came this dog and we were building in this extra cost of an animal, which in reality, it's not that much, but it, it, again, it felt like such a big weight. And so this reset our cycle that we were in, it was the cycle of me looking at the numbers, getting really frustrated with where we were, the progress we were making. I would summon a meeting. Many of these times I'm asking her what she's buying, why she's purchased this much at this place. And, and it just felt very accusatory. I would talk at her, say, you know, these are what the things that we need to do to reach our goals. And I would try and be motivational in that. I would try and get her all fired up. She would vow to do better. 
And then I'd go back to the calculator and let the anxiety build and build again until we did another one of these meetings, some more promises kept and not kept. And, and we both had good intentions, but we did not have a good framework for how we went about those conversations. And so me being the reader and Samantha as well, being the readers that we are, being the learners, uh, I happened across a resource. Uh, it's from the book, The One Thing, and it's it was called The Couple's Goal Setting uh, Retreat. And so I happened to, to find this and I started looking at it. And I thought in the back of my head, like, this is the exercise that we need to go through. And we were both very much driven by goals and very much goal-setting people. But as a couple, we had never really talked in a structured way about what our goals were as a couple and as individuals. And so I want to ask you, Samantha, when we went through this exercise and started down this path, how did that help you? Well, it helped in a number of ways, uh, because for one thing, it was not solely about money. When you brought it to me, I was really excited because this was like talking about our hopes and dreams. And Curtis knows, uh, I always try to like spring these questions on him of what's your favorite this or what's your dream, I you know, uh, tr- trip or, or whatever. But it, I just, I kind of spring them on him and he doesn't really enjoy that. <laughs> but here he was inviting me into a whole conversation about these very things. So already like my mind went to a different place. I was immediately lost locked in um, and it just activated a different part of my mind and heart because this was um, kind of looking at our relationship holistically. And so um, I knew the money talks were going to be part of that, but it was talking about all these other aspects of our relationship and then also just our individual development. So already that put me in a better frame of mind um, for when we were going to get to um, these different sections of um of, of that questionnaire that we worked through. Yeah. So that was, that was one of the main turning points, but we kept walking down these paths and it came from these, you know, existential questions of where do you want to be in 20 (laughs) years? What do you want to do with your life? You know, just like these very broad questions, but we started talking and dreaming about what we wanted as a couple. And then that transitioned into Uh, plans and that transitioned into our budget. And I realized, and we realized that as we went through this process, which was a multi-year process, we don't want this, you to think that this came overnight, but this multi-year process helped us see that money is not really all about money. It's about so much more than that. And we have to have all these things aligned to really be able to get the money right. If you have a goal of retiring by 40 or retiring by 30 or whatever that looks like for you, there's people that shoot for these really advanced and really quick, really intense goals, but that has to align with their budget because if they have different budget needs and they're not willing to align those things, they're going to feel like they're drowning all the time because they're not reaching that goal that they've set. The other, the other piece of this is, is that as we had these discussions, 
it required each of us to compromise on our goals. And I want Samantha, you to talk about this briefly because uh, you know you had some goals that, as we talked about our goals individually and as a couple, that we've both had to compromise on. So, what did you have to compromise on or choose to compromise on in that moment? So, at the time when we were first discussing discussing these things, um, I was contemplating going back to school and. Um, I wanted to get my master's and uh, because I felt like that would give me some better job opportunities. But in reality, I, because uh, again, we were in the middle of our infertility struggles and I simply wanted a situation that I could feel like I was in, in more in control. I loved school um, and that felt like a very safe environment when there was, you know, these other things going on in my life that I felt like I had no control over and were really kind of attacking my, um, just kind of attacking my self-worth and image, I felt like school would be a safe place to spend some time. Um, but that is not a good reason to spend thousands of dollars without really a concrete plan of where I was going. I didn't really know what I wanted to get my master's in and, um, you know, obviously didn't have a clear path of a job after. And so I realized, well, Maybe we can revisit this on down the road, but I don't really have good motivations right now. Like those aren't truly healthy motivations for spending a whole lot of money. And that isn't going to help us reach, you know, our financial goals as as a couple. Yeah. And the, the great thing about this is that we're using this as an example because Samantha came to this realization on her own. We had a lot of discussions but it was this process that forced her to refine why that was a goal of hers. And I would, I say it's a still a goal of yours. It's yes. just a goal that, that we realized that did not fit where we were in our stage of life. And when we think about it, it's actually something that fits really well. Once our children get uh, to a little bit older stage and you're able to focus on that and that becomes something that you can get really motivated about. And so again, we have had, to make compromises individually and as a couple along the way. But without these frameworks, we would not have realized that. And it's helped us be content in where we and where we're at. And we still have these discussions. So one of the things that this framework is, is it's a lot more than just setting a budget or coming up with a plan for your money. It's a holistic approach to money and marriage because it it all flows through all parts of your marriage because everything you need to understand the other parts in your marriage before you can know how that's going to affect your money. So I want to talk real briefly about the outline and then we will wrap it up and we will uh, tell you to go buy this guide, because that's the whole reason we did it. We want you guys to learn and we want you guys as a couple to really see the value in these exercises. So we start off, the book starts off talking about some root causes for money marriage issues. And there are a lot of them, but I just picked six that I felt like were ones, and we've talked about a few of those here. The very first one we talked about is debt issues. The second one we talked about was unaligned goals. The third one we talked about is mismatched 
expectations. Fourth one, family or background issues that you bring into your marriage. The fifth one is a lack of trust or openness. Sixth one is deception or betrayal. And we've talked about unaligned goals and we've talked about mismatched expectations. And in both of those cases, there were communication issues that we had to sort through. Do you have anything to add to that, Samantha? I I just, again, am struck by how, you know, as we were talking through those things, again, we weren't talking, it wasn't about money necessarily, you know, as, as I was unpacking, you know, kind of some unhealthy motivations for going back to school, like that touched on a whole lot of other areas of, you know, trying to start a family and just my own personal and emotional development. Okay, that has nothing to do with money, but it was affecting a huge, a potential money decision. And so I think that's what was going to be super interesting um, for those who walk through this guide is that, you know, there's just often a lot of areas to address first before you nail down that monthly budget or you nail down your retirement goals. Yeah, for sure. So the five-part framework is this. We want to first understand your and your spouse's money background and how that affects your money, your relationship with money as a couple. Part two is we want to put together a plan. And this is where a lot of the heavy lifting is done. Part three is we want to commit to that plan because if we create the plan, but we don't take the time to actually implement and commit to that plan, it's all for naught. Number four, we want to create a regular scheduled check-in that we can spend time going over our plan, checking in just on day-to-day life, but then also checking in our money. And then number five is we want to talk about revising the plan because when you put together a plan, it's guaranteed that that plan is going to change. And so we want to give you some framework and help to help you change well. So let's jump back to the first part And we're not going to spend a lot of time on this today because that's already what we've been talking about. But we need you as a couple to understand your money background. And so we've put together an exercise that walks you through some questions that make you reflect on your money background. And then you come together as a couple, you talk about what you learn. You're just trying to hear what your spouse is saying. And then you wrap up with the question, what does this mean for our relationship? What do we need to do? And so that's a great little exercise that, that really we even learn things through the process of forming this even more because we had had those discussions, but when we had to form it into a format that was useful for other people, we were able to revisit some of these things and really flesh out some ideas. So I, I hope that that's going to be super valuable. Part two, I said, is where the heavy lifting is, and it's putting together the plan. So when we're putting together the plan, there's multiple steps to this. First, we need to establish our values. Second, we need to set our goals. Third, we need to refine our goals. And that's the exercise where we come together as a couple and talk about our individual and goal, individual goals and family goals, and we refine what works. Once we've established our values and goals and we're set on those, it's at that point that we set a retirement goal and we set an investment plan. 
And these are going to be two really powerful things that are going to help then frame your budget, which is the last part of creating a plan. And I think it's important to notice that that is the last part. Samantha, how has looking at this, like going from this broad to narrow, how has that helped you in our money? Well, it's like when you're planning for a trip, you have to actually know where you're going in order to know the steps, how to get there. So if there's no destination, um, there can really be no step-by-step directions. And so that was such a helpful exercise when we, and, and again, like when we were establishing our values and goals, we had had some loose conversations. It's not like we were miles and miles apart when we came, when we came together, but there just is something about that formalizing of like, this is what we feel like we're called to as a couple. This is what's important to us. Um, and then once you have that clarified, it narrows actually the decisions that you're trying to make. I think we can get really overwhelmed when we think everything's on the table, that all opportunities are on the table. Um, when in reality, you know, we do live in a land of opportunity, but when we keep all the options on the table, then often we just end up not doing anything at all. So that really helps to narrow everything down. And um, then also just understanding, especially with working towards retirement. I mean, that's just something we feel like we hear on boring commercials, right? Um, But when we put that into, no, this is what we would be living on. um, So here's what we would need to do to make that happen. Well, now that I actually knew where we were going, it made it a lot easier to implement this into into day-to-day purchasing or saving decisions. Yeah, and the and and to clarify on that retirement goal, that isn't to say I'm going to retire early. That's to say, if we save this much today, what will we have at certain points in our life? Right. And it's and it's aligning that. So and it's and it's better understanding that. And so, the reason that that's important is because. And, and this was super important for us is because I can go really heavy on just trying to save and invest just a ton of money. But when you look at the numbers, you realize, oh, well, maybe we are doing all right, or maybe we can cut back here, or maybe we do need to save more. Maybe we need to look for additional sources of income, or maybe we need to cut some spending somewhere. So by setting this goal, Again, this is not going to be a real number that you're trying to hit in most cases. It's just going to be something that's going to help frame your savings and investing rate as you move forward. And so each of these steps, there's going to be exercises that you go through that we help lead you through. With values, we're going to have one specific way of doing it, but you could set your your family values in a completely different way. We're not saying that the way we go about it is the ultimate way. We're trying to provide you a way to do this. And so hopefully, even if you don't use everything to the T of the templates that we've put together, the templates will help you get started going the right direction and you can refine as you see fit. So the third step is then to commit to the plan. We need to make sure that each person owns a part of the plan. We need to make sure that our goals are connected to our values. And then we need to identify failure points to make sure that we're not setting ourselves up to fail. 
The other piece is we need to find ways to make this fun and work on this together. And so as a couple, it's important that you guys are both on the same page. And so we're going to help you talk through some of these things to make sure you're on the same page in this commit section. Do you have anything to add there, Samantha? If there's nothing to look forward to, it just does, it just does feel like a chore. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. And, you know, we've mentioned a number of them here, whether that's incorporating a treat or just some lighthearted questions, um, or just maybe even making sure that you're well rested and there's not a lot of distractions, uh, that can go a long way to making sure that the conversation is fruitful. Yeah. And then part four, we have the regular check-in. We give you a very brief framework because we, again, don't want this to be overwhelming on a week-to-week basis. We want this to be something that you look forward to, something where you can connect with your spouse. And then part five is we talk about revising the plan. And we first address like, why would you revise a plan? And then we address kind of some steps to take when you want to revise your plan. I, it's just interesting because we're kind of at this, this is where we're at personally, you know, apart from, uh, apart from this podcast, apart from the guide, um, we're just in a season of, of needing to do that. And, um, but instead of feeling overwhelmed with what's out in front of us, it, it is comforting to know, hey, we, we've done this before. It's looked a little bit different in the past, but we do actually have some steps that we can work through. And um, it's, you know, front of mind for both of us. And so that's comforting versus stepping back onto that overwhelming anxious cycle. Yeah, that's for sure. And I've definitely noticed that is when you have these changes that it can be very overwhelming, very quick. And I'm so thankful that that we have formalized some of this because it has helped make these things less anxious filled helped keep us focus on the goals and the values that we have. And so with that, we're going to wrap it up here today. I want to thank you so much for listening. If you have not purchased the Money and Marriage Guide, I encourage you to do so. You're going to get a lot. As we're recording this, I don't have a final page count because we're still inserting some images. But right now, it is just under 70 pages. I think it's going to be over 70 pages. And that does not include the templates. The templates are going to be what you use to kind of walk through things. You can use them independently. You can use them together. But I promise you, no matter what you end up paying for this, it's going to be worth that much money because there's been years of work truthfully put into this. Now, obviously, We've just formalized this, but this is stuff that we've followed for a long period of time. And so we're excited to share this with people. We're excited for what is potentially ahead for those. We're excited to hear the testimonials of people that have learned from this. I've already have some advanced readers that have given me some some feedback, and it's all been just like very positive stuff that's super exciting to hear And I cannot wait for everyone to get their hands on this. So look in the show notes. You will see the link to purchase it. If you're part of my email list, you do get a discount as well. So you can even go join my email list. I'll provide that. You will get a 50% off discount code. 
And if you leave a rating and review for the podcast and show that to me, send it to me, I would love to even do a little bit more or something for you. So if you do that, send me an email. I'd love to see that. So here we are wrapping this up. I want to thank you again for joining us. Subscribe if you have not. Share this with your spouse. Share this with a friend, someone important in your life. Until next week, remember healthy financial decisions are intentional financial decisions. Intentional decisions this week lead to a healthy financial future. Start today and we'll see you next week.